0: Amen. All right. I think on here. Is it on? Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. I'm. Uh, uh, I just want to make a couple of statements before I even get started. Uh, tonight I'm going to be preaching on. I'd just love for anybody to be here if you possibly could. It's at, at six o'clock um, because I'm going to be uh, preaching on. Prepare your heart for surrender. Prepare your heart for surrender. Uh, in reality, we're going into a revival. We didn't know it was going to work out this way, but it, it's, uh, God has opened the door for it to happen. God knew all about it long ago. And uh, so, uh, but I, I really want us ready. I don't, uh, I don't want to enter the revival with him having to take the first three or four days of the revival trying to get our hearts ready. Uh, I want to enter the revival ready. Uh, and so uh, I want to... Pro- Preach on preparing your heart for surrender. <clears throat> and then another thing that I want to announce in case some maybe won't be here tonight, but uh, uh, I'm going to give you, in just a moment, I'm going to give you my telephone number. And then uh, what I'd love for you to do is I'm at 6 o'clock every, um, every day the rest of this week, I'm going to have a prayer time at 6 a.m., Now, uh, I thought about different ways, and I thought, boy, if people could come and meet with us all together, but then, I I thought, we're in such a crazy world, and and people live uh, on this side of town, and on that side of town, and halfway across the world over here, so here's, we're going to use the technology, folks, okay? So, at 6 o'clock, I'm going to give you my number, what I'd love for you to do is if you're praying with me at 6 o'clock, all you have to do is just text me and say, I'm in, Okay? Now, I'll return, reply, retext to you what I really want to emphasize in prayer that morning, uh, what, I, what I want to, to really emphasize that morning in prayer. So if you want to do it, my number is 219. You say, why is it 219? Because that's what the whole world knows, and so I've had that thing for about 20 years, and so I, I don't think I should change it, but it's 219-808-3989. Most of you have that already, but 219-808-3989. Now, I'd appreciate it if you would not go hand that out to a drug dealer or something, but i uh, but, <laughs> really, you know, it'd be a blessing if uh, you just, but that's all I want. Just, I, I think, you know, we can unite in prayer. We don't have to be physically together, but we can unite together and somebody, you might be at work. And uh, you, you know, maybe that's what you're doing that morning. But uh, that's what I'd love for you to do. Now, uh, I, I want you to go to Malachi, Malachi, uh, chapter two. Malachi chapter two. And uh, while you're turning to Malachi chapter two, uh, I will. Uh, I'll just make a few statements, and we'll get started. But Malachi chapter two is is, is just one verse that we're going to read. Now, normally I, I, I go through two or three verses or I, I take several. But when our, when, the title of this this morning is When Our Om- Omnipotent God Grows Weary. When Our Omnipotent God Grows Weary. And, you know, the, the amazing thing is the power that we as a simple human being wield with God we have the power to weary an almighty god now I'll be honest with you just to read that or to think that kind of kind of jumps around in my brain a little bit i struggle with it a little bit but i have to understand that god said it so it must be true but here's the thing we have the power to weary an almighty god but why would we want to How does anyone weary the God of all creation? Why would anyone want to weary the God of all creation? But I have to admit, as we enter into this, I do not fully understand how we can weary an omnipotent God. And you'll understand that statement, maybe in a minute. But uh, I know that, you know, in, in people, when I counsel people, I know that depression can make you weary. If you've ever been in a state of of depression, you'll know this, that that it's just a given. You want to go crawl in the bed and cover up your head. That's just, that's where it is. Depression makes you weary. I know that physical exertion can make you weary. I know that the older you get, it takes less physical exertion to make you weary. But physical exertion can make you weary. I know that stress can make you weary. Just... Being just that constant pressure upon you can make you weary, but I don't believe God becomes depressed. I don't believe that God, who created all energy, can be weary from physical exertion. I don't believe an omniscient God, who knows the future, can be stressed. So how is God weary? Here's Malachi chapter two verse seventeen. We'll read this verse and we we'll have a little uh, word of prayer. But, but it says Malachi chapter two verse seventeen: "Ye have wearied the Lord." With your words. Now, now recognize what he's saying. You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say. And here's the words that that have been used that God says weary me. Wherein, yet you say, wherein have we wearied him? When you say, everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in them, or where is the God of judgment? God says this these two little simple statements are are what wearies me. And this weariness literally it means to like a physical weariness. And that boggles my mind, but God says somehow this you your words weary me. That is amazing. I have a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you bless this morning. Holy Spirit of God, I I need your presence, your power. Lord, we have uh, some wonderful people here this morning, but, but Lord, if they hear me speak, nothing will be changed in their life. But Spirit of God, I yield myself today, please. Holy Spirit, I ask you to guide my mind, my thoughts. Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you'd wrap your arms around this place and you'd turn back every enemy. They would try to snatch away truth from the hearers here today. Dear God, we need you. We need your presence. We need your power. We need your guidance. Please move in this service today. Please. Sweet Jesus, I love you and I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. I believe that when we look at this passage and what he's saying, I believe that a word like discouragement, maybe disappointment, or even frustration may be terms that better explain what has happened in the heart of God. God created man and has been loving, patient, and full of grace for man, but yet man still questions God and his actions. You know, people got all kinds of things and kind of statements they're making about the hurricane that's that's coming up to Florida, or the one that was just in Texas, and and and, and a lot of it. You know, one when I saw one little, uh, I didn't read it, but I saw one little headline, and it said, you know, Hurricane Irma is hitting Florida. Where's God? And I and I'm thinking, uh, you know, it's so much of it. We we blame God, we we uh, attack God, we we say why God, but. God has been so loving and patient and full of grace for man, but we still, man still questions God. Man in his pride wants to tell God what is right and wrong. We want to determine what right is and what wrong is, and we want to determine what's best for us and what's not best for us. Uh, listen, uh, you know, you don't know what's best for you. How many of you, growing up as a kid, you got you you just decided that something was best for you, and your your mama, your daddy looked at you and said, "Son." Or, honey, don't do that. That's gonna hurt you. Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever? He said, "Don't." Hey, you, you jump off of that. You're gonna hurt yourself. No, I'll be okay. What happened when you jumped off of it? What happened when you climbed that tree? My little daughter. She was. We we left to go to Florida. My wife and I we were taking a tour group from a college uh, out. You know, traveling all over the country, and we went to Florida, and and we hadn't been out just a few days, and we were down there, had meetings every day, and about just a you know three or four days into the meeting, we get a phone call from from my mom, and and she said she was almost hysterical because uh, our daughter Amber, six years old, had fallen out of a tree. Uh, she was babysitting them. Way to go, mom! But uh, she was babysitting them. They she climbed a tree, and she got up there, and and, and I guarantee you, my mom probably told her ten times honey, you don't need to go up there. Honey, you don't need to go up that high. Honey, you don't need to do that. That limb might break. And no, oh, it's going to go anyway because she can do it. And snap, here comes a limb, and she dove out, a little swan dive right down to the ground, broke both arms. Uh, you, you know, uh, there's so many things happen to us because we just don't Listen, and here's the problem. We want to tell God what's right and wrong. Almighty God has given His commands, His precepts, His laws, His principles to live by, and they're all good and right and perfect. Everything God has said is good. Did you, man? Anybody believe that? You know what, I can almost sense as soon as I get started, I can tell when, when those days, there's some days you walk in here and there's energy, there's other days you walk in here and it's just a cloud. And we walked in here and you think the hurricane's going to hit us. Now, come on folks, God, everything God says is good. It's right. It's true. And you say, well, it's not all good for me. It doesn't matter. It's good for God. Now, Psalm 19, 7, verse 11 says this, The law of the Lord is perfect. You see, that's the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether, More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. You see what God says? Look, I've given he goes through and he lists all the, the different types of, of principles he teaches, and the way he teaches the law and the, and, and the statutes and the commandments and, and the judgments and all these things. He said, But all of them, if you'll keep them, he says, there's great reward. And that's what a lot of this world doesn't understand. They think it's so inconvenient to, to keep his law. But the, God says, Keeping my law, there's great reward. It's clear that God's word is true and valuable to each of us. It's wonderful that we should desire, so wonderful that we should desire it more than, than monetary riches. God said, more than, than how much money you can make, you ought to desire my word. More than how much you can possess, you ought to desire to keep my word. I'm going to get some amens out of somebody somewhere. If I had a dollar, I'd pay somebody. But Somehow I knew money would get you cranked up. I just knew it would. In obedience to them, we, in obedience to the word of God, we find great reward. Now this means, uh, it's amazing, little but it just means compensation. And that sounds so strange, but God says, you know what? If you'll just obey me, I'll compensate you. Isn't that amazing? Anybody, God knows us. Anybody ever been around some some young person, I'll say young person because I don't want to reach into the adult stage here, but anybody have been around some young person that they won't do anything unless they get paid? Hey, but if you throw money at them, man, they're at it. They're ready to go. But you shut the money down and just say, I need some help. And they're like, I'm out of here. They're gone. Man, delete this from the tape. But I got, because I got family around here. But I got a cousin. I got a cousin I grew up with. Now his brother would walk all the way to our house, come up to our house, and he'd help us dig post holes all day long. He'd help us put up fences. He'd help us haul hay. He'd help us do everything. His younger brother would walk the two miles to our house, and if we were working, he would look at us and turn around and walk back home. Now, he'd probably use less energy if he just helped us, and we would say to him, hey, we can't play basketball till we get finished. <laughs> he don't care. He's going to wait till we get done, and he'll walk back up and then play. Now, please take that out of the tape. <laughs> I don't want him to know the truth. All right, now, now, in obedience, we find great reward. This is compensation provided by God. Now, that's pretty good compensation if God's going to pay you for doing something. And God says, look, I know you. I know you're human, and I know that you're just going to get more motivated if you're going to get something out of this. I know, I know you. And it's, he said, you're going to get more motivated if you get something out of this. Now, what is the great danger or cause for loss of these rewards? We find it in the remainder of the chapter. If you go to Psalm 19, and I read out Psalm 19, and it's not a text verse, we'll go back to that. But Psalm 19, verse 12, If you, we just saw here in Psalm 19, it says, you know, that all the precepts and the and commandments and all those things, and it says, there are more to be desired than gold. Yea, they much find gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is thy servant warning, and keeping of them is great reward. What keeps us from keeping them, though? Verse 12, who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright, and I shall be innocent from the thee. Notice that. Definite article, the great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I want you to know both these passages, the text passage in Malachi and this passage, both talk about our words both emphasize emphasize our words god says your words weary me and david said let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight O lord my strength and my redeemer it seems so very possible that the secret faults are those areas in, our, in, our, in all of us that we have not yet learned are wrong, but nevertheless they are. You know, I believe David, when he talks, and you've got all kinds of definitions of this thing of secret faults, but I think secret faults are those things that, that we are doing wrong and wrongly that we're doing, uh, but what we don't really realize that they're wrong. When I first got saved, there was a lot of things I just didn't realize were wrong. You understand that? You know, there's people in here right now that there's something in your life, there's something still, watch this, there's something still in my life. I may find out today, I may find out from Scripture tomorrow, that, you know what, I've been messing up all this time. Look, I'm still growing and learning, folks. Anybody with me? We got to grow and learn, and, and the truth is is that God shows us some things that are wrong that we didn't realize were wrong, and before you got saved, let me tell you, I didn't think anything was wrong. That's right. I didn't, man. It was, it, it, there was nothing wrong where I went. There was nothing wrong what I did. I, that's why me and my wife won the dance contest. Come on. <laughs> we were good. You don't believe it, do you? Yes, oh, you do. <laughs> For a dollar, I'll show you. So, <laughs> Now, the secret faults are those areas in all of us that we've not y- yet learned are wrong. But, but watch this. But nevertheless, they are. Right. Here's the problem. You know, look, it, it, sin is sin regardless of our ignorance of sin. Right. You know, if ignorance was an excuse for sin, hey, then let me be Sergeant Schultz. <laughs> I know nothing hey, look, just don't tell me anything. I'm not going back. Don't. I'm not reading nothing. I don't know nothing. I, I'm fine. Because if I don't know it, I can't. Oh, folks, God says that's not true. David said, my secret sins. He said, God, I want to be so close to you that even the things I don't realize are wrong, cleanse me of those two. Now, David wanted to be clean before God, so he asked God to cleanse and forgive him, wash away even the sins he did not know were sins. Now, this was so amazing. We have trouble admitting today what we know is sin. Thought, but David's saying, my relationship with my God is so important that I want to be clean if, even if I don't know how dirty I am. Do You understand? Sometimes we, we know we're dirty, but we don't, want to, we don't want to go to God and confess it to God. We don't want to watch this we really don't want to admit it's wrong even though down deep in our heart in the conviction of the holy spirit if we're saved he's telling us it's wrong but we don't want to admit it's wrong because if we admit it's wrong then we got to stop doing it That's right. anybody with me Amen. it's hard to it's hard to admit the things you like doing might be wrong Amen. keep smiling at me folks i'm looking for a friendly face right now all right now, but then he says, keep me from presumptuous sins. So he said my secret sins, he said presumptuous sins. Now, I believe the sins that I know are sins, but in my pride and rebellion, I'm, I'm still tempted to do them and do them. These sins of pride and arrogance have such a power that they often rule in our lives or have dominion in us. And, and David said, please don't let those have dominion over me. You know, those, those, those prideful sins, and you say, why prideful? Because we know they're wrong, but yet we want to do them anyway. We say to God, I'm going to do it anyway. If I'm to walk uprightly, complete, and righteous in God's sight, I must be cleansed of secret faults and presumptuous sins. If I'm not free of presumptuous sins, then I rebel against God in my pride. This intentional disobedience to God and His Word, I believe, in this passage, is the great transgression. I believe the great transgression here is that that sin of pride where I say, I'm going to be my own God. Because ultimately, that's what we're doing. When we know it's sin, and we know it's wrong, and we know God doesn't want it, yet we still do it. We just said, God, I'm God. You're not God. And God says that, that's the great transgression. It is in reality becoming our own God. Listen to this, and just your know, statistics—I throw them in every once in a while. But this is so sad. But today, statistically, what you know, people do all this research today—ten percent, only ten percent of Christians have what they term a biblical worldview. You know what that means. Only 10% of Christians believe that this should tell them what to do, not them tell it what to do. Only 10%. We Christians, as reason I believe God let me preach this, and if you want to know how I, I come to what I'm going to preach, I walk, I pray, I listen to the Bible uh, every morning that I get up, I, I, I listen to the Bible, and I don't know if exactly... You know, it's usually probably somewhere around forty-five minutes or an hour or something. And I listened. I was uh, forgive me. I was in the shower and I got my phone up on the little hook up there so it doesn't get wet until I get me an iPhone Seven. Anybody want to help me? And so, uh, <laughs> and so uh, I got it up there and, and and it was and all of a sudden it was in Malachi and and this verse it just jumped out at me. I, I mean, it just suddenly i just i couldn't get loose from it and so for days now i've been working on this because i couldn't get a it. so god wanted this but we christians have wearied god because we say everyone that doeth evil is good in the sight of the lord and he delighteth in him you say how do we as christians do that when we we don't take a stand even in our own lives on things that we know are wrong watch this and you know why we don't because it brings us our own reward see god has promised us reward but right now in this temporal time what we're doing and the decisions we're making is bringing us our own reward if you do not have a biblical worldview, then by default you have a self world view that created that Little statement up myself but a self worldview or a secular worldview you can't there's no in between folks there's no you know i'm sort of biblical worldview no biblical worldview is an absolute you believe this word of god is absolutely true and whatever it says you will do amen now this means in our presumptuous attitude we tell god what is right and wrong watch this i'm gonna just throw a few out in here we disagree with god's definition of marriage we do and you say, all oh, the world does. No, a lot of Christians do. We, do. we disagree with God's definition of life. We do. You say, well, that's the world does. No, a lot of Christians do. We disagree about, let me say it, premarital sex. We disagree about it. We disagree about drunkenness. We disagree about sensuality. We disagree about the church and the word of God. We disagree with God's method of discipline for our children. Something that's, you say, <laughs> what are you talking about? God's method of discipline for our children? Yes, watch this now. When we say, God says, here's how you discipline your ch- children. And if you look, if you do what I say, watch this. You'll drive the foolishness out of them. That's what God says now, and He tells us the way to discipline children. You know, we'd come up and we said, "No, we have a new method." And let me ask you: When you look at the children of our society today, how's that working out for you? How is that work? How is time out working out for you? Hey, ask Brother Mrs. Rogers teaching in in a school there for after twenty years or thirty years in in, in Christian school system teaching in Memphis school system, and he had junior hires. What a lunatic! I told him, man, junior high is where you, that absolutely, that age group, that pre- proves demon possession. So, the uh, man, whatever you do, don't go to that group. But hey, check it out when he, there's no discipline, no ability for discipline, nothing at all. How'd it go, Brother Rogers? Amen. I watched you, that man, every Wednesday night coming in in the middle of the week. It looked like he was about to blow a fuse. His eyes were all red. He looked, he looked like a demon himself. We disagree on God's salvation. What do we do? We make up our own things. It's so simple. It's right in here. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. Do you know? Even the faith is a gift of God. You know, thinking about childre,n when when disobedience is humorous to us, or discipline is a timeout. Let me just help you. It'll help you a lot. Now I know it's hard sometimes when those little guys do something that's absolutely wrong, but they're so cute doing it. I know it's hard, but at least at least, at least turn away. Don't let them see that you're laughing. I mean, I sometimes have to turn away and, <laughs> and i <like>, hey, son, <laughs> you know, because I know it's hard, but, but it's not, look, disobedience is really not humorous. A time out rather than true biblical discipline, such a simplistic thing in refusing God's way, we have become God in the rearing of our children. We then rear our children to disbelieve God. That's good you got it? Okay. Another example. I just some some things I was reading here. Take it, abortion as an example. I said, we, we differ on life. And his, this absolutely blew me out of the water. But listen to this. Over 40% of women who have had an abortion say they were frequent church goers at the time they ended their pregnancy. But wait, we're not done yet. In a survey that was sponsored by the Pregnancy Center surba- support organization, CareNet, researchers from the Christian research group LifeWay found that about 70% of women who had an abortion self-identified as Christians. We don't have a biblical worldview. Now let me just say this if you're sitting remember i said there's some things we didn't really understand were wrong we 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 didn't understand the full capacity of how wrong and when we are programmed to believe that that is a fetus and that that there's nothing but a blob there And that's all you've been taught and all you've been programmed to believe. If that has happened to you, listen to me, you have a God of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And watch this, watch this. You also have a church that's willing to forgive Although we don't, we don't have the right, we, you know, we don't have anything to forgive, but I'm just saying we want, we want you to know we, we're going to love you no matter what. You don't have to tell anybody about it. You don't have to deal with it. But I'm just saying that in your own heart, you got to know this, whatever background you came from, we love you. You know why? Because whatever you came from, God loves you. Okay, I want you to understand that. But I want you to understand also that we are not going to stop this trend until more people start understanding that we've got to have a biblical worldview. Now, you cannot have a biblical worldview and believe abortion is a choice. You can't do that. Now, understand, you might not have had a biblical worldview and something happened to you, but but once you have a biblical worldview, you can't believe that's a choice because that's a life. Now, this is not all about abortion. It's just an example. But so many chooses that. Strangely enough, the choices are made because of the apparent. Here's why we make the choices that we make that are outside the Bible and really tell God we're God and not Him. Here's why we do it. The choices are made because of apparent blessings that the violation brings. The example of abortion, again, to abort means less expenses. To abort may mean greater income. To abort may mean uninterrupted jobs and careers. To abort means greater freedom. And it goes on and on. And we look at all those things and that determines why we, we're we going to do what we do. And we'll even say, I had to do it because. Now here's there's no had to do it. So today we look at our lives. I've said for years that we did not have everything that everybody else had but bless